I remember seeing this as a B-movie. It was funny what they did in the 70s because I don't know what film I was watching, but I wasn't that old then. And this was considered to be a good B-movie. Actually, I went to see Jaws and there was a B-movie, which was a full Elton John concert. Now, my dad sat through it. Thanks, Dad. But, you know, we were only young and uh, I loved it, but he had to sit there for an hour and a half. You know, B-movies were big movies then. This isn't so long, because this is 1979's Golden and Simpson, written Lepetame. Sorry, Lepetame. There is a Lepetame later on. Pete means to break wind, to fart. And there was a gentleman um, in the, um, the early 1900s called Joseph Pujol, who was someone who had extraordinary abilities to take on air and then um, extraordinary muscle control around the anus area to make sounds like everyday sounds. So, you know, higher voices, lower voices, baritones, bass, sopranos, all of that. And it is wonderful that such a kind of niche, and he, he was at the, the, uh, the Moulin Rouge, such a niche can be um, grabbed by two excellent writers like Gordon Simpson, who, I mean, you know, they've written so much, you know that. Um, they can grab that and give us half an hour of beautiful work. But the script, which is quite... Um, it, it tells a lot in a, in a short time because you go through the whole of his life and the end of his career in around half an hour. Um, so it's quite sort of neat and trim, this script. But it would be nothing without the central performance. You need somebody who knows what they're doing here. And they have found somebody, or the production team have found somebody, because the person who's chosen to play Joseph in this comedy is Leonard Rossiter. And when you look at film, and there is film, of the original Petame, the way he does this the way he prepares for it, the way he prepares his body for when he breaks wind or does an impression in this way. For instance, lifting up his right foot. That's beautifully observed by Leonard Rossiter. But what you get with um, Puyol is that he liked to fill with business, a lot of business. It looks like there's quite a lot of um, of, uh, of acting and pushing and 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 lots of flapping of hands and talking to the audience and all of that. With Leonard Rossiter, there isn't any of that because what he wants to do is to give you the position and the concentration of making that sound and the ridiculousness that that stillness presents, and he does that beautifully. Somebody farting on stage, who is, of course, loved by people. It's very funny, but it's not funny to him. He knows it makes people laugh, 
But the absolute humanity of that is that I can do this. And what I want to do is to make these sounds sound like the impressions I say they are. So if it's a if it's a 21 gun salute, I want it to sound that way. If it's a toad, I want it to sound that way. That's the importance for me. Not to make you laugh is a side issue. That's a beautiful outcome, but it's a side outcome. The main thing for me is that I have an artistry. As he said, as he says, when when um, auditioning for the Moulin Rouge, I am an anal impressionist. I'm blessed with with an elastic anus. He has such a belief in himself and a belief in his talent, and that belief in a talent which is so ridiculous and so basic and base is what elevates this performance. Now, you could play the character as someone who was fairly tawdry and winking and, you know, in, in, in sort of knew that things were base. But to play him in this way just elevates that character and makes us understand the appeal. Beautifully done by, by Leonard Rossiter. There are people around him. Bob Todd plays his father in a scene in which he doesn't seem to know what he's doing at all. Doesn't give it anything. It's almost as if he'd been given the script just before he started and said, I don't know how to do these lines. We'll just do them. And he does. You've got John D. Collins doing a little bit of work. You know, he was in a low, a low quite nice in there. You've got Graham Stark. Um, there's nothing with his role, really. There was a big... He had a big falling out with the gentleman at the Moulin Rouge because he's doing his act. For, he, said, you know, he said, you did your act today at a stall. He said, well, I wanted to try and help my friends out. He said, but it has an effect on your performance because you're losing your air and you can't give us you know, a longer performance. That performance was five minutes. So they have an argument about that. And he says, I'll find somebody else who can do this. And as Joseph says, you know, you'll, you'll be, I'll be very surprised if you can. And he does find a woman to do this. So so Puglio takes her to court. Now, I think this has... I think if I, I remember reading this, actually, something similar to this happened. And the uh, the, the, the defence and prosecution of John D. Collins and Graham Stark, who both do very little with what they've got, not that they're given much to do, and the judge sees both of them in his private rooms, and of course they have to disrobe, and it's found that there is a, a pair of bagpipes secreted around the nether regions of the lady. <laughs> and he's delighted with the way that she is able to play them and get sound from them, which is quite nice. It is a lovely, unusual half hour, this. But as I say, it would be nothing without that central performance, without the pathos, without the absolute belief that he is doing something which actually matters. And the ending is really sad and sweet because Second World War arrives and we have real guns. A lot of Le Petermen's um, act is to recreate gunfire. And when you've got real guns... To do that from an anus doesn't seem so funny. He had his own theatre by then, 
doing very well, but gave his last performance. And also he was starting to lose the elasticity and starting to lose the air and starting to, his wife says, please give up the 21 gun salute. (laughs) As no, my public expect it. But his final performance here is lovely. He, and ridiculous, because what he does is he crouches over each of the candles or the lights at the front of the stage farts and each of them goes out and then he blows the last one out himself but if it wasn't imbued with absolute belief it would seem ridiculous he gives his final very sweet speech and then takes that action and if it wasn't as I say for Rossiter's wonderful work. It would go for nothing. And they end on that because it's so strong. And if you have an actor who can deliver that, and Rossiter could, then that's almost perfection. It is a five out of five because, you know, you can laugh at the, and I do laugh at the passing of the wind and the different impressions the Toad, the Mayor, the Lady Mayoress, the Soprano, the Bass, the 21 Gun Salute, all of that. But it is the absolute belief in his art, which is so important here, and which can often be overlooked in comedy performers. Worth looking out for. For the extraordinary basis of it, And for that central performance. It wasn't just Rigsby, you know. Ta-ta.